Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. I want to express gratitude to all the listeners that have provided positive feedback on the podcast, and I want to encourage all of you, you're checking out episodes, uh, you're loving those episodes, please feel free to share that positive feedback throughout your networks and help build awareness for the podcast and also Make sure to rate and review. That's the ultimate gift. You can do that through all the popular platforms, including Apple Podcasts. So keep on providing that feedback. And today, we're going to focus on one of my favorite topics, which is leadership. How we develop leadership in organizations. What makes a great leader? There's certainly no shortage of companies that are investing in developing their leadership capabilities. I was looking at some data that was put together in 2020, $358 billion estimated spend worldwide in developing leadership expertise in companies and 166 of that just from North America alone. So it's not about a lack of investment and the benefits of investing in leadership is well known. Studies have shown that participants that go through leadership training improve their learning capacity by 25% and their performance by 20%. So those are real tangible benefits. And at the same time, organizations, they're spending all this money, they're trying to develop leaders, they still feel they're falling short. 77% of organizations report that leadership is lacking Yet 83% of businesses say it's important to develop leaders at all levels, but less than 5% of companies have really fully implemented quality leadership development across all levels. So they're spending money. There's this sense that they're really not optimized. And at the same time, the attributes that great leaders have, this is what all of this effort is all about. It's about fostering trust. It's about productivity. It's about compelling mission and vision. It's developing accountability. It's driving outcomes. This is what organizations say they're trying to achieve. And we're going to talk with a true expert today about really what makes for great leadership. What should we be thinking about? What are the benefits of taking maybe a more educational kind of perspective, leaders as teachers, uh, that we can develop great leadership in organizations? And Blair Singer, has quite an impressive background. Blair has helped change the trajectory of hundreds of thousands of lives and businesses in over 40 countries over the last three decades. He really started out pounding the streets as a struggling sales representative in the early 80s, and now he's inspiring the hearts and visions of millions today. His life and career have been quite an adventure. He's a best-selling author. He's a rich dad advisor and a -a one-of-a-kind teacher And he really delivers some unique messages, and he has an unconventional style 
that business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders worldwide have really benefited from. And I can't wait to jump in and get his perspective. Just a, a few more things about Blair. He's the founder of the Blair Singer Training Academy and his Apex system, which trains and certifies the best change agents around the world. And get this, Blair has summited Mount Kilimanjaro 10 times. And so life and business, just like his ascent of this incredible mountain in Africa, it's an adventure, right? And the lessons applied is going to help you reach your summit. He's also, as I mentioned, the author of Sales Dogs, He's the author of Team Code of Honor, Little Voice Mastery, and coming out later this year, Summit Leadership, all about taking your team to the top. So from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, Blair, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you, Dan. Those are some impressive statistics, particularly the one that says 75, 70 plus percent people want leadership, but only 5% have done anything about it. So um, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, Blair, I, I really want to go back to the beginning. You've had this journey, this amazing journey throughout your career, and you're helping people around the world develop their leadership skills. But I want to get personal, all right? Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you, you've been out on the streets. You've been on the front lines. You started out in a more traditional sales path. But what really inspired you to, to change your direction, pursue a more entrepreneurial training and education focus? Well, I wish I could tell you it was a master plan that it was all planned out <laughs> when I was younger. This is what I wanted to do, but it wasn't even at all like that. I I grew up in Ohio in the Midwest and moved once I graduated from Ohio State University, I moved as far away from Ohio as I could get <laughs> um, and moved to Hawaii. And I got and I got my first sales job, you know, with a company that's now defunct, uh, Burroughs Corporation. I think they're now Unisys as a sales rep on the street and just floundered horribly um, until I, I realized that, um, that the issue was not the customer or the product. The issue was what was going on between my right and left ear. And when I realized that I had control over that, everything it was, that was kind of a game changer. And what got me out of selling, selling into entrepreneurship was basically friends. You know, I was a sailor. I loved to sail, race sailboat, small sailboats. I started hanging out with these guys and one of them had a business and he wanted to invest, invest in my business. So I took the $10,000 I had to beg, borrow and steal, invested into the business, lost all the money, but had a great time. And that was my, <laughs> yeah. that was my launch into entrepreneurship and the, the level of freedom and um, opportunity and joy. Just I, I couldn't go back to just clocking in and clocking out. That just w was not my lifestyle anymore. So that's how I got started. And I happened to, and that was a, those were the days when I happened to, I had a little, we had a little surf shop in Waikiki and the six foot three Japanese guy walks into my surf shop when I was working it in the afternoon um, and tried to get me to buy these stupid Velcro wallets. And if you recall, that's, that was Robert Kiyosaki. He was a, uh, uh, he was a sales rep for Xerox at the time and that, and we started on this career together. So that's kind of the history. Wow. And, and and so a passionate sailor ends up in the desert. So we'll have to talk about that right? separately, yeah, Blair. Yeah. Right. And at the top of a mountain. I mean, how does that all happen? So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, we're in the midst of this incredible disruption globally uh, in the midst of a pandemic. And 
I know that you've talked about the world experiencing a true education revolution when we think about what's going on inside of businesses, um, that there is this, this revolution, this evolution of, of education. Can you explain a little bit more about what all that means? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in March of 2020, here in the United States anyway, when everything got locked down and the education system got flipped on its backside, kind of like a turtle, you turn them upside down and they were helpless to be able to provide education online. Um, it revealed some deep cracks in the foundation of our education system and a lot of other things, by the way. Um, and so what happened was parents and people all over the world had to figure out a way to keep their kids educated. They started teaching them at home. And, and just as a point, Dan, right now, I, I read there's 2.3 billion people going to YouTube on a regular basis. And you have to ask yourself, why are they going there? And the reason that's almost a third wow. of the global population. And the reason is because they're seeking information and knowledge. If I asked anybody, and I do this a lot, I said, give me the three or four things you want to learn the most right now in your life. And none, none of the things they list are things like calculus, geography, or anything like that. They say things like health, wealth, happiness, no. communication, no. leadership, right? And there's no place to learn that. And everybody's come to the conclusion that school is kind of a place setter. You know, it's kind of a, you got, got, got to do it, but it's really not, not a whole lot of value there other than the social part of it. And so what's happening through YouTube and online and through digital format is what's happening is this massive revolution that the education systems around the world are still not include in, in any kind of a awareness about where people are seeking education elsewhere. I mean, you're going to see, I'm going to, I predict you're going to see islands of knowledge. You're already seeing these, you know, people that have their own tribes and own groups. You want to learn about leadership, you go over here. You want to learn about uh, how to be a good communicator, go over here. You want to learn about health? Here's a couple tribes over here. And that's where people are getting good, quick information. I mean, obviously the hard part is discerning what's good and what's bad, but but that revolution is happening. And unfortunately, in the education system, the lag time between the time that somebody comes up with state-of-the-art teaching methodology and actual implementation is many, many years. So I don't think it's going to catch up. And I think that we're in the midst of a, a revolution and the people that are realizing that I just know a lot of my tribe are they're making a lot of money but they're touching hundreds of thousands of people um, and helping them learn the things they want to learn so that's it's it's an exciting time well with all that being the case let's shift back now to thinking about leaders inside of organizations and and we think about the lists of what great leaders are and how they enable impact. This idea of leaders as teachers, where does that come into play? And can you share some examples around that? Sure, of course, of course. So pairing off of what we just talked about, the re revolution in education, is that provides a huge uh, challenge and opportunity for business owners and entrepreneurs. Why? Because if you want somebody to learn how to sell, if you want to get somebody in your team to be able to be a better communicator, operate as teams, collaborate, you're going to have to teach it because there's no place to send them. So as, as a leader, you must be willing to teach. Um, I think Michael Gerber, a great entrepreneurial writer, wrote, he said that um, business is a school because there's lessons to learn there every day. But if that's a school, who's the teacher? Who's pulling the lessons? 
Um, and that's the job of a business owner. And, and, and if you look through history, any of the great leaders, the traditional like Martin Luther King or Gandhi, the, we remember these people not only because of their leadership, but because of the wisdom, the wisdom that they passed on to us, that we still, that still inspire us. And I think that it's no longer about those guys out there. It's about us as business, you and I as business owners. What are the lessons we're learning every day? And do we have the awareness to be able to capture it, teach it to our teams, help them become better people, better, uh, better workers, better uh, teammates, all those things that really are not taught in school, but are critical today in a world of almost 7 billion people trying to figure out how do we operate, stay connected, work together, and be productive. So I'm going to say that the big game changer right now that we've been working on for the last several years is educating leaders that to be a great leader, you also have to be a great teacher. And what's that look like? So, you know, we have people that are teaching their teams how to sell, how to communicate, um, you know, anything and everything that is that will help their employees or help their staff live better lives. Uh, certainly, uh, when I was in the air freight trucking business many years ago, we were not the highest paid employer for sure. But every week we would, we you know, we have our team meetings. We'd set aside 10 minutes to teach something new. What, what did we learn? What happened this week? What worked? What didn't work? How do we learn that? It's, these are skills that we teach people that completely change the context of the company and turn it into an educational organization. Yeah, it's really making that investment, isn't it? you know, treating continuous learning um, as a journey and, and just making the investment of time to make yeah, sure that you know, the employees, yeah. And it's, re- and it's really important because, you know, in a, in a world now where there are 101 narratives all over the internet, where do people go to get to the truth? Where do they go to get good principled information on how to communicate, how to stay healthy, how to be productive, uh, and these are things that we can now do in the workplace through digital format, through education. Um, and, and I think that, that those teach, those leaders that really take that actively on, I think even many years ago, I think it was even Jack Welsh many years ago even said that one of the secrets of being a great manager was being able to teach. So we say there's three skills. You've got to be able to sell, build teams, as a leader, but number three, you got to be able to teach other people on your team how to be team yeah. players and how to sell as well. Yeah, you mentioned digital, and obviously, so much of how we work now is just becoming more and more virtual and digital. Right. Now, how does that change the equation? Well, it's 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 awesome. That's how it changes the equation. It, it makes it makes it. There's no excuse anymore. In other words, you, well, I got to pay all this money and send them to a retreat or pay for them to get an associate degree. No, you don't need to do that anymore. It's available. And because it's digital and because technology is skyrocketing, it's almost it's almost on a straight up curve. The ability to get good quality information, even interactive uh, training to people is pennies on the dollar. What it used to be like five years ago. So there's really no excuse not to do it. I think it's a real game changer. Again, the issue becomes is finding what's appropriate and applying that. So that becomes part of the equation as well. Yeah, it's that prioritization. Like it's a good problem to have. There's so much available content, but <laughs> you've got to sift through it, right? And and really 
focus on what is most relevant for your situation, right? And it's going to work for your teams. See, and that's what, and that's, and so if you take, if you marry all these things together, media is accelerating, is that marketing has changed, right? So, and this is how this plays in. So right now, what you do is you you try to build a presence, on, let's say on social media. So you kind of build a community and some of that community become your customers and some of those customers become part of your team. And then those, te- that, those team members help you build the community. So what happens now is that your communities become learning groups, uh, I call them holistic learning units where we learn together, you know, and as we get closer into the circle, into the business itself, then we obviously get more skill specific to our own businesses. But but all things, if you can just stand back and look at it, all things are moving in that direction. That's why it's a revolution. Uh, just the school system is going to be the last ones to figure it out, unfortunately. Well, you know, one of the things uh, that many of my guests on this show, and I've had lots of entrepreneurs, company founders, but one of the things that they've said is that when they think about success, it's really driven so much by the human factor and developing the high performing teams. It's about teams of human beings, right? Coming together. And now you've talked about the importance of this code of honor when you're developing teams. Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I've, I've loved working with teams. I've been on teams, studied with some of the greatest coaches in college football over the years and stuff like that. And, and, and so I love teams. And one thing I noticed that all teams have very strict rules, not a lot of rules, but a few rules. So if you take a look, if you take a look at just about every great organization, religion, government, movement, business, team, whatever, seems to have a core set of values, which we know about but also a set of rules that enforce those values. So you think of something like the Ten Commandments. Everybody's heard of the Ten Commandments. That, that was a very simple set of rules. It's still the basis of a lot of our legal system, but it was developed you know, several thousand years ago. So it's a core foundational piece. So what one of the things as I got into it, as I started studying it many years ago, is Every organization, whether it was Singapore Airlines, Morgan Stanley, IBM, L'Oreal Brands, wherever we've gone, or even small mom and pops, the first thing is to create the code. What's the code of honor? What are our rules? Like never abandon a teammate in need, be on time, um, take responsibility. Simple rules that we, and we, and we encourage entrepreneurs to even use the code of honor as a recruiting tool. So like somebody will go into the Marine Corps, why? Why do they go to the Marine Corps? They don't pay that much money, right? And you put yourself in harm's way, right? Well, they go because there's a compelling mission and there's a code that implies that if I can play this way, I'm going to become a bigger, better person. And I got to tell you, Dan, that right now in this day and age where people are so skeptical and quitting their jobs and doing all that stuff, the idea to be able as an entrepreneur to be able to offer somebody the opportunity to grow, not just make money, but to grow and become the person they always wanted to become, it's priceless. And the code of honor is the is kind of the skeleton or the backbone, the set of rules that we operate by. Yeah, it becomes this connective tissue, doesn't it? You know, right. people coming in and, and just when you're sharing a common commitment, um, it's really powerful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And 
one of the things that you've also talked about, and I know you're really passionate about, is this leaders, is they, they know what they want to achieve, right? And even if they're on the right track and they have the right focus around developing great teams and the kind of attributes they want to build out, but there is this trap, right? There's this, this idea that there could be some self-sabotage on that path. Now, how does that happen? Well, I, I wrote a book about it. It's called Little Voice Mastery. And little voice is that incessant conversation that goes on in your brain. And if you don't know what a little voice is, it's a thing that in your head just said, what little voice? I don't have one. That's the one, <laughs> right? Right. And so it's it's that piece that sabotages the best marketing plans, the, the best mission statements. It, it all falls down to how is my, what's my mindset? What's my attitude at the moment? And how can I... And, and does it run me or am I controlling it? So the self-sabotage is common, okay? It's the lack of confidence. It's the feeling I'm not good enough or I'm in over my head or uh, or on the flip side, I know what I'm doing when really you don't. And, and so what the need to, to look good and and to, to yeah. be bravado. So, so those are the pieces that really undermine the most thing. I, I remember I... I Recently, I read a small business administration would talk about businesses and they say that of all the businesses, business failures, which we know there are many, you know, that over half of them will fail in three years. We all know those statistics that of the of the businesses that fail, only 20 percent of the reason a business fails is because of competition. That was their assessment. The rest is all self-inflicted. Now that's the SBA wow. making that statement. They're all self-inflicted, yeah. lack of knowledge, lack of mentality, lack of skills, that kind of stuff, all self-inflicted. And it starts with that little voice. That's why I learned over the years when I, my first sales position, I almost got fired from that first position because I, I just kept, I had a cold call selling calculators door to door. And when I finally realized that the issue was not the customer, it was me, then changed everything. My fear of what other people thought about me, my fear about getting rejected, all that stuff, that's what the issue was. Once I got past that, I went from zero to becoming number one in sales within 18 months in the, in, in the entire country. What, not because I, was good, I had good selling skills, it's because I got control of that incessant little voice, which is really not the real you. It's a composite of your old experiences, teachers, parents, things that you were told, narratives on the internet, all all the other stuff that's fed into your brain. And you forget that inside my belief, Dan, after all these years in 40 countries, inside most human beings, there's a good person, a powerful person, a creative person that can really create. If you can just get the garbage out of the way, and, and so in our trainings and when I, we work with people and we have trainers all over the world now is if they can just give a person an opportunity to see it and experience it, game over, man. We, we, we now can go to a whole nother place. And Dan, if, if the workplace can be a place where that can happen and we can teach entrepreneurs and le- leaders how to teach that and to instill that or at least set up an environment to nurture that, then you've got something that that is priceless. Yeah, what you're saying is really resonating, and I, I relate it to my own business experience in so many different situations and coming together, having to plan. Maybe maybe the business is facing some headwinds. There's a challenge we need to ideate, but we've all experienced it. You've probably seen it where 
if you start from a from a mental standpoint going to worst case outcomes, if you jump there as opposed to focusing from more of a positive perspective and starting from more of a basis of confidence, it's amazing the difference, isn't it? Uh, oh, what can absolutely. be achieved. Right? That's right. Absolutely. You know, and you will attract your, you know, I think Brian Tracy and every, every guru out there has always said that, you know, you attract your dominant thought. And, you know, if you like, I hope we don't fail, well, you're going to attract failure. Right. And, and, and so I think that people, most people are kind of unconscious. I think one of the unique things about our training, it's a, not just a skill development training, but it's a personal development training at the same time. And I tell people that I teach to become trainers that that's, an, that's a game changer for them is you've got, if you are not, if you're training somebody and you're not talking to their little voice and dealing with that part of it, you're wasting your time. I use example, like people, everybody wants to be in better physical shape and lose weight. Is that such, is that so difficult? No, you know, eat right, drink water, get some exercise. Don't put nasty things in your body. If, but if, so if it's so bloody simple, why is nearly 50% of the American population diabetic or obese? So again, there has to be something more to education than just the skills and the how to do's. That's what the other reason we're in a, a revolution of education. Those people that understand that it's both those things and entrepreneurs that understand it's both those things. The, the sky is the limit. I, I, it's just, I get very excited talking about it. Most definitely. And something else that many entrepreneurs that are trying to grow early stage businesses face is they, they can hit a wall, right? And right. when they reach that point and this idea of scaling that you've talked about and and some of the challenges in scaling uh, those uh, businesses and you know the roadblocks um, that are behind that and how to overcome them. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Yeah. How, how do we get over that? Sure, sure. Well, whenever you're trying to grow a business and trying to scale a business and scaling simply means that you're able to add more to it, give it growth, and it's able to sustain that growth without self-destructing, right? So in scaling, the big, there are always obstacles. And one of the biggest obstacles if we look on the personal development side is the fact that you as an entrepreneur, your very strength that got you there is not going to help you going forward. So if you, for example, if you believe I got to do it myself, I'm the best salesperson, or I'm even the asset of my business. You're in a service business, and you provide that you provide the sales, you, you do the fulfillment, all that. Then that's going to stay. You're not an asset to the business. You're actually a liability to its growth. So that and and we're taught that in school. Be the best that you can be. You know, get good grades. You're not taught to cooperate in teams unless you played sports or something like that. So our very conditioning through our traditional education system creates a resistance. We hit that wall. That's why a lot of companies that you can get to like a million, million two small businesses and they freeze right there. They, they, Cause they know they no longer have the bandwidth to go any further unless you understand how to scale, which means to take one piece at a time, scale it. Okay. So maybe it's just, a, you got to create a marketing engine. I have a friend that says, you know, you're in business for five, 10 years. And all of a sudden you realize that the engine that you built is in your business is not giving you the lifestyle that you had anticipated 10 years ago. Um, and so the, the, the challenge that most entrepreneurs have, just speaking for myself, 
is we get so just, I want to scale the whole business. We got to fix this, this, that, and all the other things. And that's not the formula. The formula is like when we climb Kilimanjaro, one step at a time. Let's just look at our sales approach. How do we scale that? Okay. All right. Got that? Prototype it. Get it to work. Good. Now let's look at the marketing. How, how are we getting our leads? How do we scale that? As a, But what happens is because of, because of the plethora of information, people go too wide, too quick, and they don't get anything done well. Yeah, and I would think uh, that uh, measurement and that willingness to uh, continuously adapt based on the learning that you get, right, by tracking and measuring as right. you're yeah. as you're increasing those organizational capabilities to scale, right? It's 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 not just hey lay out a intended process, but it's also <laughs> no. learn learn and apply That's from right. real world as you're going through that test experience. Test and measure, test and measure, test and measure. That's right, exactly. Absolutely. Well, with all of the commitment to learning, this revolution you talked about in leaders as teachers going on around us. When you look to the future, Blair, what makes you optimistic? Well, I'm really optimistic because if you just look at the growth curve of technology, the growth curve of media, you look at the advent of putting personal development, all these things that are happening. The only fear that I have is to be impatient. Uh, I kind of equate it back to the 1980s when there was the big nuclear crisis and everything was going to come to an end if we weren't careful. And, and we passed through that because we were patient enough to allow things, allow nature to take its course. I think that if we can be patient enough and not blow each other apart here on this planet, <laughs> that, yeah. that that all the trends are moving in the right direction. We go through these revolutions. There'll be a little bit of upset. But I think on the other side of it, uh, one of my teachers was a guy by the name of Dr. Buckminster Fuller. He was a futurist, an engineer, wrote many books. And he said this, we have the opportunity to live at a standard of living of 7 billion billionaires. Now, not the cash of a billionaire, but obviously the lifestyle of a billionaire. And I and as I studied it, I, and you watch the trends, the challenge with most of us is we only live 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years. So we may not see it, uh, but so we got to get ours in now. We got to get make it all happen now. But if we can be patient enough and allow it to take its course and do the things we need to do, I'm hot. We we will evolve into a whole new era. I call it a golden age, um, and I really believe that. After and I've had some massive setbacks in business and have blown it big and made it big and all that. But I still, through the whole thing, I believe that we have the opportunity to evolve, and I believe the evolution is not going to happen any other place but in the workplace. I think it's going to happen in the marketplace and I think it's going to happen because of entrepreneurs. I think it's going to be, be aware and enlightened entrepreneurs to take on the role of being great teachers. Well, that is real optimism. And as we start wrapping up our conversation, Blair, do you have any final advice for business leaders that are looking to get the most from their teams and in their pursuit of long-term sustainable growth? Yeah, of course. I, I think that the distance between where you are and where you want to go is only the distance between your right and left ear. I, I, I really believe that. I mean, I've seen it happen hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. And I think that as a leader, your job, your number one job as a business owner leader is to set a context or an environment that allow people to grow. That If there's one thing you could do, create a, have a strong mission, 
good code of honor and protect, as I think Simon Sinek would say, is to protect the people inside and allow them to grow. Hold them, hold them accountable. You don't have to be super nice to them, but you need to be fair and you need to show that you care about them. And I'm going to tell you this, gratitude, as I get on with in, in this stage of my career, showing and experiencing gratitude for the people that are around you uh, and for your teams um, is price, again, is, is another priceless commodity. That's spot on. Well, we opened our conversation with my expression of gratitude, and that's a perfect bookend to closing when you talk about gratitude as really being a cornerstone for leadership going forward. Blair, thanks again for joining, sharing your perspective and your inspiration for all of us to achieve higher levels of leadership. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And a reminder to all of you to make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.